0: Welcome, goddess, to your sacred space. This is My Figgy Life podcast, where we openly discuss life's wins and losses on our journeys to self-discovery. This is your best life. This is your figgy life. And now, here is your host, Jean.
1: Hello, figgy goddess, and welcome to another episode of My Figgy Life podcast. Today, our guest is Melissa Trumbull, and I'm so happy to introduce her to you. Mel is the founder of Zero Fucks Given Living, life coach, author, and speaker. She is a free spirit with a passion for helping others uncover joy. Her mission is to bring joy to millions of people who rocked a craptastic upbringing. Through grueling rounds of therapy at many points in her life, she got herself to a joyous life at the ripe age of 49. She believes that by helping people many years younger, the trajectory of their lives can be hugely improved so they rock many more years of joy than she has. For decades, she gave her resources, yes, her fucks away, her money, (laughs) time, care, concerns, focus, skills, and all the resources she had. This showed the world that she held herself at zero value and therefore was treated as worthless. By using all her resources for others without them even asking, she sent the message to the world that she did not value herself, but she is on a mission to change that all. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. We're so happy to have you.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me.
1: I was so happy to receive your message. We actually connected through social media, and I have been following your account for a long while because, as my Figgy listeners know... I have been diagnosed with panic disorders, so I really understand the whole concept of anxiety, living with anxiety, and everything that comes with that, because there's a whole bunch of things. It's not just the panic disorder, it's everything else about it. So I just loved your account because you're so open, and you you really just get down to business and say it the way it is, and you don't sugarcoat it, and it's so refreshing, and I Honestly, just love the way you approach that.
0: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I think that if we can be honest about our wiring, you know, ADHD, panic, generalized anxiety disorder, depression, like whatever it is, let's just be honest about it and be authentic and, and actually approach each other as the people that we are. Understand that there are resources for us, resources within us that we don't even necessarily recognize. And then also there's a freaking huge tribe of us, you know, it's not like I I roast an anxiety alone and there's no one else within 20 feet. Well, unless I'm working from
1: home. (laughs) That's so important because I was first diagnosed. That was a very difficult part of my recovery because the first thing I did was isolate, which was looking back the worst Mm -hmm. thing I could have done. But Also, I think if you're in a professional environment, there's no time for these types of nonsense. So you don't want to tell anybody and you really feel super alone. And that isolation and loneliness that comes with it makes it even worse. I agree. And I think that the antidote to many, many ills is
0: community. And that took me a long time to realize because the way I grew up, there was this distinct wall between my family and the world, right? You had to protect the family, protect the secrets, all that garbage. And what changed in my older years is that I realized everybody's just fumbling along. Nobody has the exact right answer. And they're sitting in this throne thinking, well, this is grand. I have everything figured out. (laughs)
1: You know, maybe that
0: person exists i've never met, met but that. <laughs> we
1: do tend to think that though we do tend to think everybody else has it figured out it's just mm-hmm. me that's not got it figured out
0: <laughs> right like i'm this only person yeah i'm stuck in some sand uh, quicksand and i'm sitting here roasting alive with depression anxiety and everything else and no that's just not true Everybody at least feels like an imposter. You know, it doesn't matter if you own your own company, if you're an author, a speaker, you know, an expert, there's still times when you're just like, well, I guess they
1: want to hear what I have to say. Let's, uh, Let's buckle up, buttercup. Let's go. <laughs> I read your book, The Big Book of Bad Ideas, and I really enjoyed it. And what I was thinking the whole time while I was reading this book was, oh, man, I wish I had this book when I was 25. <laughs> so yes, many things would have been so much easier. <laughs> hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: and that And that's why I wrote it, because I could not at the time. Connect why I was seeking out these chaotic situations, right? Because I had done all this work, I had done all this therapy. So surely I'm fixed and I don't need to worry about that. But man, that stuff is ingrained. So we have to really work at it and recognize why we're seeking that familiarity. You know, why do we want that? It's just because it feels comfortable. That's all.
1: And uh, nothing is more. I think fear-inducing than moving out of your comfort zone, in especially an emotional and a psychological mm-hmm. way. And you take us through a lot of that in your book. And I really have such I feel almost kindred to you because our lives connected in so many similar ways. But you you really did have a challenging upbringing. I mean, you were one of nine children. That's a big family to be a part of. And I think from what I read in your book, you always had this really big personality. And it's almost as if you were always told to kind of tone it down. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I was sort of a a lightning rod, honestly.
0: And that helped my siblings, then I'm a okay with that, because it was really tough. And I'm very, very lucky that I had this core belief that life didn't have to suck. Like it didn't have to be horrible. And I didn't necessarily ever, or even now, know how it was going to be better, but I knew it could be better. And so without knowing how, I followed that. And that's what I am trying to indoctrinate everyone with. We don't, know, we don't have to know how to know that we can.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the favorite one of my favorite quotes. I'll 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 get to another one a little bit later in your book, but I think it's on page thirty seven where you say resilience is that fabulosity that occurs when we know we will get through it, but do not know how we will get through it. That is so beautifully written. And it really stuck in my mind. How did you get to that sentence and get to thinking about it that way? Because it's so true to so many things in life. I agree. And, you know, the way I got to that is
0: just by looking at my past. And one of the things I've learned is that we can learn competency just by doing and then looking back and being like, hmm, Either, okay, yeah, that worked out, or, wow, I set that on fire, and yet I'm here to tell the tale, and everything is okay. Like, I'm still on this planet. It's still, like, and to me, that's the hugest resilience anyone can show. We're here. We did not take ourselves out of the game. And to be able to see how things worked out that I never would have expected, that's the genesis of that sentence, because I, I was just
1: like, wow, that, huh. That didn't actually work out and I had no idea, I had no way knowing that's how it worked. You say that pretty early on in the book before you take us through your marriages and certain cycles that you have repeated, I think, from what you've been taught as a child and what you thought life was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you already had that kind of thought process before you really realized the truth of it or or how it fits into your life. It's strange how we sometimes look back on how things happened or what we thought or some things that we thought meant nothing, that means so much
0: when we Mm -hmm. put
1: all the pieces of the puzzle together. It means so
0: much. And I could look back on, I was just a very joyful kid, a little little kid, and Mm -hmm. I just can, I could remember that. And I was like, that is within me naturally. Yeah, Where is it now? It, It still must be in me is what I, you know, my thought process was, my emotional process. I was like, so let's get to digging and unearth that again.
1: You're listening to the My Figgy Life podcast. Can you take us maybe through your second marriage and how that came to an end? I'm reading all these things and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you also have an issue with anxiety. So I know if that was me, I would be crawling up the walls. I don't know how you handled that. So how did you get to a good space Taking that into account. Uh,
0: Well, for me, therapy is one thing that I've always turned to, to, because the value of therapy to me, you have to explain yourself Mm. to someone who does not know you. They are not going to fill in any gaps. They are not going to be like, oh, she just says that, or Mm. I know what she means. No, they don't. They have no idea and you have to explain it. And I think that is one of the most critical benefits of therapy is to be able to articulate why we're doing what we're doing or how we feel you know, all of these things that are innate to us. And we think we understand. But until we have to take it out of that emotional brain and put it in the verbal brain, it's we don't necessarily understand why the hell we're doing what we do. (laughs) Yeah, you asked about the second marriage for that. My first marriage ended because and happily, in retrospect, uh, my spouse told me they wanted a divorce. And I was like, devastated, etc. I was raised Catholic. Oh, my gosh, I'm such a failure. And then the second one, I guess, because that tragedy had already occurred. I had failed at marriage, this fundamental vow. I realized Mm. I don't have to be treated like this. And so I ended that marriage and it broke my heart because I had intended, of course, to be married for the rest of my life and have this partnership and all of those good things. And yet I kept choosing people that I could build chaos with. And that's what I did. It was just bewilderingly complicated and just difficult and for no reason at all, except that that's how I constructed it. Boy, that's some humbling. There's some humility there working through that and seeing, because uh, the anxiety will paralyze your thought process. And yet by not being able to choose, we still choose.
1: I think it's so profound that you say this and you explain it in this way, because this was very similar for me to especially thank, I mean, I've been blessed with, honestly, a husband that has saved my life in many, many ways. Why he held out with me those first couple of years, I don't know, because I was the same. I I brought these patterns of behavior that I was taught into the marriage, and I wanted everything to Mm -hmm. function in chaos and anger and destruction. And it took me a lot of work and a long time to understand that healthy Mm -hmm. relationships – don't work that way. No. And, and you say it so well. I think in page 151 of your book you say that it was so shocking to you to realize that not everybody wants to work at being a better person. Mhm. And that is so true. It's stunning,
0: right? Because we come at life in our certain way and for me it was always, you know, I can I can be better. Like how can I be better? What can I do? Because I knew I was a wreck. And then to understand that there were other people you know who I thought were my kindred spirits? Mm-hmm. You mentioned being kindred spirits and I'm totally down with that. <laughs> you and I are peas in a pod. And yet, everyone's not like us. Not everyone uh, seeks to in, in real estate, I used to work as an asset manager for a development company and they would say use the land to its highest and best use. Okay? And they always meant in terms of how much money it could make, but I love that that saying because I say I want to use my personality skills Empathy, compassion, all of it for its highest and best use to help as yeah. many people as I can. And not everybody wants that.
1: And you know, when I read that, I was actually reading it yesterday. Yes, and I did have a glass of vino while I was enjoying that page. Good for but you. <laughs> I thought of myself, you know what? Sometimes you read something that you already know, but when when you read it from a different source, it just kind of sometimes tends to hit you. And I don't know if this was the same for you, but when I really started to change and turn my life around and really commit to that and have a good support structure, I had many questions about my past and many questions about how I was raised and why things happened the way they happened. And I think the most difficult thing for me, even now, to still kind of connect with is exactly that. Not everybody wants to be or to change to be a better person. And it's very difficult if that also involves the past that you're trying to extricate yourself from, but you still have this need for forgiveness and making everything better with the people that you love. So how did you handle that? Oh, wow. That was
0: a journey. So my parents were not raised in ideal households. They were Their household that they were brought up in was at least as bad, if not worse, in different ways. And the the best thing that i was able to gain was the perspective that they did the best they could at the time with the tools they had because they got married at 18 and 19 both of them trying to escape just mm, whether it was starvation or whether it was a sexual abuse or neglect you know they had the whole deck of cards <laughs> stacked against them and they were very young with that comes anger management issues because it's not like when i was 19 i was able to you know sit with your reaction no that yeah. didn't happen i <laughs> yeah, just exploded or erupted or whatever feeling just came over like a tsunami and uh the idea that i was separate from my feelings no i did not come into that until my like late 20s early yeah, 30s for a, sure me too a minimum <laughs> so yeah so, so so realizing that people who've done you harm are doing the best they can with the tools and the past that they have, even if it's cruel, even if there's just no avenue for how they behaved, then hurt. I think that that is the best way to understand where they're coming from. And look at what I've done. I've hurt people very badly. And I was doing either trying to protect myself or trying to chase them away or, you know, because I didn't want To have a stable home life because I didn't have any idea what that was, so I only knew chaos, and so that's what
1: I held in store for myself. It's really interesting to see how these roles and rules that have been with us subconsciously keep coming up during our lives. Because even now, sometimes with my little girl is five years old, and I will still catch myself sometimes thinking, "Wow, I thought I." I thought I (laughs) extricated that part. (laughs) I'm going to have to go back Mm -hmm. and do a little bit of work there. (laughs)
0: Yep. We get get to go back and look at those things. And, you know, I talk about therapy a lot. And what really accelerated my journey is mindset work and seeing possibility. Because if you cannot see something as possible, then it's not. Straight up. If you don't see a, a peaceful, wonderful, joyous life for yourself... And I saw peaceful as that was the enemy. Peaceful was just nothing. Why would anyone want that? That's just dull and lifeless. And it's like, no, actually, it's a place to nourish you and where you can grow. To, have, to be able to expect the same things each day, to not be berated, to not be injured. That was a big stretch for me. And to understand that that was a positive It just changed everything and made everything so much better. (laughs) Listener, you can have it too. That's so
1: true. (laughs) Mindset is really, it has helped me a lot as well. I think especially if you have an anxiety-related disorder, you really, really have to work on mindset because, you know, my husband actually said it really well when we were talking about my panic disorder. I'll link it in the episode for you listeners. And he said, it's a very lonely thing to go through. Because a person can support you and try to be there for you. But you're the one that thinks you're on the precipice of dying and shaking. And it's a very lonely place to be. So if you're already in this lonely space and you do not have the mindset tools that you need to navigate that black hole, (laughs) you're going to drown. (laughs)
0: that's what it feels like. And you're so right to say it feels like you're going to die. Our our brain, our our nervous system, it doesn't know the difference. All it knows is that we're in extreme danger. And whether that's a saber-toothed tiger or the fact that you're pouring sweat and you can't think straight, you know, and you're roasting in anxiety, the brain doesn't know. It just knows you are in danger and it's going to shut you down to protect you.
1: I was so happy to see that you are going to be bringing out a second book later this year, I think. What was it releasing? What's it about? What inspired it?
0: Obviously, I've dated. We talked about multiple marriages, right? I've dated as an adult. And wow, is that a journey. So I thought that I could uh, lend some of my hard-won wisdom to the dating as an adult game. And by that, I mean, outside of school or, you know, those organized activities that we fall into when we're young, when you're working and and everyone's busy and yet we're all so lonely and all of these things. Uh, the Big Book of Bad Ideas is a series because, you know, I have so very many <laughs> bad ideas to walk people through uh, as, as far as dating. And that is just astronomically astounding. What people think is okay in, in the dating world and online, like, is it because we haven't met that you're being this nasty and disgusting? Is it because, you know, I mean, do you
1: do want to meet yeah, someone in person, is, right?
0: <laughs> Why would you put this? I way? cannot
1: wait to to read it. Is the name all set? Can you share it with us? Uh,
0: I'm not gonna share it yet. It's gonna, it's definitely gonna be a the it'll be a big book of bad ideas with a okay. subtitle. So, one of the things though that I wanna point out to the listener is that once I found mindset work, okay. And, and that's what I do as, as a coach. That's what I teach. And I saw what was possible for me. And then I found, I found examples of who was doing what I wanted to have, like who had what I wanted to have, who was doing what I wanted to do. Then my whole world just opened up. And what do you know? There were, I kid you not, half a dozen wonderful people that I had been messaging with on the dating websites. And they were quality people. And guess what? I had been sort of "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm," because I thought they were maybe a (laughs) little dull. Wow. Wow. Arrogant and how foolish that was. So once I got my uh, brain in order (laughs) and was able to see like how hilarious and amazing, I like I literally had a spreadsheet sense of humor, strength of character. How do they teach? How do they treat their parents? How do they treat their children? All of these different things so that I could figure out because it was new to me to figure out what I wanted to go toward
1: as opposed to reacting to what buffeted me about. So you'll be sharing all those little pieces of wisdom you you picked up in in your classic fashion. I love the way you write. I love the way that you are so forward. (laughs) You know, and the, the reason why I also like it is one of the main things that we say in Figgy is there are no secrets to happiness. Life always happens and Mm -hmm. that pressure that we have especially nowadays with all of the self-help materials out there there are so many always kind of telling you to be positive and you're the problem you need to be better you know it it creates such an extra stress for you so it's so refreshing to just see somebody speak about this from an honest life perspective (music) So you're also bringing out a podcast later in January, I think. Okay,
0: correct, correct. Launching my podcast, which I just threw a couple of episodes up last month, just because I'm like, if I don't get this started, it's just not going to be started. So that's kind of how I roll. Let's throw some spaghetti at the wall. So now I'm getting it together to actually launch a cohesive podcast that, uh, you know, actually addresses going from chaos to responsibility, to vision, to joy. and it's. It's not rocket science, folks. If I can do it, believe me, anyone can. And it's it's all about just thinking it's possible, and then finding our way there, and being willful and intentional.
1: Were you also incredibly amazed at the amount of tech and all sorts of weirdness that has to be in place for you to be able to do a podcast? <laughs> Girl, to do
0: anything, so heaven. Gave me actually on the summit I did last last month. I interviewed someone and she's a podcast manager and I'm like, huh? I just liked your Instagram feed. Wow. Okay. So so people do this, eh? a <laughs> I like booked a call with her to to be like you know, uh, hey, I'd love to talk to you as a client. <laughs> awesome. So I actually got someone to handle it because oh my goodness, you're not kidding about the tech.
1: It's next level. I thought you would plug in your microphone to your computer and just talk. And I was so wrong. That's what people say. It's
0: so (laughs) easy. Anybody can have a podcast. And I'm sure, yeah, sure they can after they like learn how electricity works. I mean, it seems like life-changing all the tech.
1: So your podcast will be launching on what day?
0: Uh, January 17th. It'll be ZFG Living Podcast with an exclamation point because I am just that extra.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I can't wait to listen to your first episode. And I know that you're on Instagram. You should really, really check out Melissa's feed or grid. This is the amount of horribleness I am with tech. There is Instagram. There are photos. Come on. It is amazing. Girl. (laughs) We're
0: on Instagram. Can you just start yeah, there? we For me, that's, that's already like
1: <laughs> achievement level 100. Please follow Melissa on Instagram. You can also find her on her website. Can you give us all your website details and where should listeners go if Absolutely. they want to connect with you and know more about you?
0: Yes, please. Come and check me out at zfgliving.com. And that has information about my book, my coaching programs, the podcast. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. That's also ZFG
1: Living. Keep it easy, you know.
0: <laughs> and my big message is don't give yourself away. Use your resources. Don't just squander them.
1: So I'm going to definitely also link that for you guys in the description. So don't worry if you are driving. I will put it in the episode description so you can just easily link from there. Thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on the My Figgy Life podcast. I'm so Thank grateful. You. Cheers to Figgy Life. So remember, Figgy Goddess, everyone deserves to celebrate the goddess within. I wish you love and light this week, and we will see you again next week on the My Figgy Life podcast.
0: The Figgy Beauty Skincare line is here. The best skincare routine for your dry and sensitive skin. Figgy Sensi Soul Regimen gives you back the power to indulge in skincare luxury without upsetting your skin's delicate balance. Finally, someone created a luxury skincare experience for goddesses with dry and sensitive skin. On sale in the U.S. now. Shop at figgy.eu.